you first learn to surf, the waves are just ripping you up, right? And I think sometimes when you're learning to deal with your emotions first, you feel like you're being just ripped up by the waves. But when you learn that the, ra- the waves have rhythm and you can count small wave, small wave, oh, here's a big wave. And then you learn how to get up on your surfboard and you learn how to cut into the wave, you know, and use that. Then it becomes an awesome experience, an awesome tool. And, you're, you know, and I think the same thing with our emotions is that many of us think that we are just product or uh, being tossed to and fro uh, by them. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Garrick's Podcast. So glad you're here. We are with uh, Dr. Mark Mayfield today. He's a friend of ours, a co-laborer in the kingdom work that we're doing and been a guest uh, several times. I think uh, before these next two weeks, uh, these next two episodes are over, Mark will be the most uh, uh, used guest. I don't know, like used is probably not the best word to <laughs> Most utilized, uh, most... Uh, uh, the most often... Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, the most regularly often used guest. <laughs> anyway, uh, glad, glad to have it. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for coming by today. I appreciate oh, that. Always. Yeah, it's been... Yeah. It's a yeah. pleasure. Yeah, people that uh, have been listening to the episodes we've done together, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting some good feedback from that. We really appreciate that. But uh, you know, they they kind of don't know that we we actually do a lot of work together. We're mm-hmm. looking at some creating some conferences and some well, I guess you might call them retreats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got a new venture with uh, moving away from uh, Mayfield Clinics, even though you're going to still be overseeing that yep. and giving some leadership to that. But uh, tell, just just before we get into your new book, I want to really talk sure. about today. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Kind of where where you're headed with uh, yeah the call of God on your life. Um, so, COVID, I think for our family was a was an eye opener of just priorities, and so uh, realizing we wanted to be closer to uh, family and mm-hmm. have our kids grow up with their cousins and yeah. that kind of stuff. And so it's been it's been a work in progress, but we're moving to uh, uh, the north side of Houston and. Uh, yeah. But really being able to now uh, do what I do from home and be able to encourage and, and travel and that kind of stuff. So really God's taking me from that that leadership position of a community counseling center to how do we take those components and help nonprofit organizations and churches do similar things in their, yeah. in their culture. So the stuff we're working on with the retreat center and uh, I've got a couple other organizations that are wanting me to come in and just kind of help. How do we create this? Uh, model of care from the yeah. hands and feet of God perspective right. for the community. I love that. It's the churches so need to be encouraged in how to help people who are hurting. And, uh, yeah, that, and we just need encouragement as yeah. the, those that are doing the work that okay, we're, not, gotcha. yeah. we're also not yeah. off base or we're not you know being burned out. But just to, I think just the encouragement of the co-laborers, uh, that term that you use a lot of mm-hmm. we're doing this together and let's just make sure that we're encouraging yeah. each other along the path. That's good. Pray for great success in that. I know well, it's a you. needed thing. Um, new book coming out. We, uh, yep. we talked about your uh, previous book on mm-hmm. loneliness, and that was a great help to many people. And so you're just right at the sort of the finishing touches on this thing. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit. Give us uh, the title and maybe your uh, elevator pitch, yeah. so to speak. What's the, what's the book about? Well, with anything, and especially I think in this day and age, uh, the book is going to probably come out in the next – Probably that within the next year. Okay. Um, the working title right now, I don't know what's going to happen once okay. the, the publisher gets a hold of it, is Finding the Beauty in Pain. Yeah, I saw that title. And, and the idea is just really, uh, I think as a society, we miss out on the, the lessons that we could learn by sitting with the tension uh, and the uncomfortability of, uh, of emotions. Yeah. I, I think we are too quick as a society to dismiss 
uh, emotions as good or bad, negative or positive, yeah. and not recognize that the emotions are just indicators yeah. uh, of a greater experience. And uh, I don't know about the scripture that you read. I think we're on the same. I know right. well. I know <laughs> we're on the same page with this, but. Uh, uh, the greatest lessons are learned in the tension of the pain mm -hmm. of the struggle uh, and the working it out, the working it through yeah. and coming out the other side. And mm -hmm. so this book is a, is a, is an encouragement and a, and in some ways a step-by-step -step guide on how do I do that? Yeah. I've, <clears throat> I've heard probably hundred, hundred times more in the Christian circles. We don't live by feelings. We live by faith, mm -hmm. true or false. Um, or somewhere in between. <laughs> I probably, in my opinion, somewhere in between. Okay. Because I, th I think that we, we as a as a church and we as a society like to black and white make things black and white. Yeah. It's either faith or feelings. Right. Well, yes, I think it's it's both. And I think here's here's where I think we get confused is we don't have a working definition of emotions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and feelings. Right. And and so I think then I might be saying something about uh, an emotion or a feeling, and you have this cultural demograph, you know, like historical definition of your experiences with that. And you're thinking I'm talking about this when actually I'm talking about this. And yeah. so I think the, the struggle is, is that we just don't have a universal collaborative definition of emotions or yeah. feelings. And, and your book is, is it primarily about emotions and feelings? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. I think it's, it's really walking through the uh, the process of culturally understanding how we got to where we got as you know and having my readers I mean the book is really broken down into practical pieces so I give definitions at the beginning I have content but then I give mm -hmm. here's questions that you need to be asking yourself and here's yeah. some action steps you need to take as you unfold your own understanding of, yeah. of emotions and uh, but then I think also I, I really spend a lot of time talking about this idea of theology of care and a theology of suffering mm -hmm. and um, uh, I think challenging uh, the readers to really think through that yeah. as well. Well, we, we're going to have you on for two episodes this this week and next week. Um, let's take next week and really dig into the theology of mm -hmm. care and the theology of suffering. Suffering. Wow, that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that already. <laughs> uh, but this week, let's let's build a foundation for that. Sure. Uh, but so one of your quotes, you know, I like this quote. You start your book by saying, "Your emotions make you human." Even the unpleasant ones have a purpose, which that's that's wild right in itself. Don't lock them away. If you ignore them, they just get louder and angrier. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty profound. So you, we need our emotions. They're not something to be hmm. confessed away or have a Bible quote saying like, you know, I rebuke that emotion. Right. We're meant to feel our feelings, as they mm -hmm. say. Yeah, I talk about, you know, the passage of Scripture that says the heart is deceitful above all else. You know, who can who can trust it? And right. we, we get that passage preached at us or quoted to us, don't, don't trust your heart, don't trust your mm -hmm. emotions is how I hear it. But if you, you know, if you zoom out and get the context of that passage, it's talking about the idea that, yeah, like our heart is deceitful. We are a sinful human being. And yet uh, God sees beyond that into the depths of why we're struggling. And we need to pay attention to those things, yeah. work those things out so that we can take them before the throne and release them, yeah. right? Or... Um, work and wrestle through and process them because, like, like you know, like you just said, if we if we set them aside, if we numb them out, um, they become angrier and angrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you're like me, I'm sure, or anybody listening to this would be the same way. Sometimes you wake up and you feel tired, or you feel depressed, or mm -hmm. you feel 
and that sense of anticipation. Um, does your book describe or does your philosophy, theology describe where those feelings come from? Yeah, I mean, so I think it comes back to the definitions, right, to the language okay. that we create. And so, uh, you know, I'm a neuroscience. We've talked about yeah. neuroscience in here. You know, I like how God has designed us, uh, mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. And so for me, an emotion is a neurophysiological response okay. to an internal or external stimuli. All right. So breaking that down, basically, is our body reacting to something going on inside of us or something going on outside of us? Okay. That, to me, is what an emotion is. That's yeah. just our body reacting. Yeah. And I can understand emotions. <clears throat> uh, somebody cuts me off on the highway and uh, uh, the emotion of anger rises. Mm -hmm. That's an external, although internally something's happening to me. Sure. I can understand those external ones, but the internal ones, like where you feel something, you don't even know why you feel it. Well, that's where I think so. So if we can understand emotions are that response, then feelings oh, are okay. the meanings that we make based off of those feelings due to our culture and our language. Yeah. So if you think about culture and language, so an emotion is just the body's response, right? Just that, like you said, get so cut off in traffic, it's that, yeah. and it, it's almost a split second, then we have a feeling associated with that response. Yeah. But that feeling comes from how you were raised, where you were raised, how you experienced emotions younger, um, the thoughts that go with that. So the feeling piece is then the meaning-making process based off of our body's yeah. response. I like that. And yeah. I, so I think what a lot of times in our culture, we separate, we don't separate. We think emotions and feelings are the same thing. Yeah. And I'm arguing that they're not. Yeah. And the key, the primary difference between an emotion and a feeling would be what? Our... Uh, Meaning making the way we make meaning the way, of it. The way, way we make meaning of it. So you can so if you wake up in the morning and you have okay. So you, say you wake up and you're feeling depressed. Like is to, that an emotion to, or a feeling? To be honest, how I'm feeling today. Okay, right. Yeah. So I woke up this well, morning. Me too. Yeah, that's why I keep saying depressed. I feel right. Like, <laughs> I woke up this morning and I'm like, I am just, I am just, I'm, I'm sluggish. I'm tired, yeah. uh, and I had to go. Okay, why am I feeling this way? So that was my so that that's, was my emotion. That's your emotion. My emotion okay. was. My physiological responses was um, depression. Yeah. And so I had to go, okay, instead of – I recognized it, yeah. which is a big deal for me, right? I've worked really hard at going, yeah. not being bowled over by it, but I recognized it. Yeah. So I asked, okay, so why is that? Well, I just got back from a three-day trip speaking uh, where I spoke five times in the mm. course of two days. My flight left at uh, four in the morning to get back in time for my son's first birthday. Wow. Um, you know, and then I've got 24 days to finish packing up the house and moving. And I've got a lot of little little projects I'm working on. Yeah. So I, I'm like, okay, am I depressed? Because that's a common feeling for me. Yeah. Or am I overwhelmed? Yeah. And so I had to ask myself that question. So the meaning-making process was kind of going, okay, why? What's yeah. going on? Right. And the best way to describe it is it's not – it's familiar in the depression realm, but it's actually uh, – being overwhelmed. Yeah. So, and, so in your book, you talk about feelings and emotions. Then you, then you also add a third, which, which it didn't throw me off, but it's like, oh, I've never heard that placed with feeling uh, principles. Mm -hmm. uh, what, and what would what those be? So, I think principles are then the the cultures that we the culture that we develop around our language of emotions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, if you think emotions are kind of just like again, just loosey goosey, everybody's got them. The way the body responds to it internal, external stuff. Feelings are the meanings that we make based off of those feelings. And then principles, I think, are the um, uh, are the frameworks or the references that we make in our cultures around that. Can, um, you, can you unpack that a little bit more? Like, yeah. Uh, so um, 
So let's say that you grew up in a home um, that was full of anger and you never have had a, had a chance to to make meaning of that from a feelings perspective. Right. But then anytime the anger arises in you, your your principle is that you stuff it. Yeah. Your principle is that you avoid it. You don't talk about okay. it. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's the action steps, I guess, is the best maybe the best way to put yeah. it. The action steps that we do when we work with yeah. uh, those feelings. The way, that come up. the way you, would it also be the way you choose to mm-hmm. uh, uh, relate to your yeah. emotions and feelings? So, yeah. so like normally if <clears throat> if uh, we're talking about depression a little bit today. So if you're depressed, uh, principle would be uh, just be quiet, just leave everybody alone, just mm-hmm. leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. like I don't yeah. want to deal with it. I don't yeah. want to with anybody. Right, you so that be a principle. Right, I talk about, um, you know, you know, the, and I also talk about the different principles too that that play into this idea of our culture and the different things. We don't, I think we just think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm making a b- pretty big uh, blanketing statement here. Right. But I just think sometimes we uh, are tossed to and fro yeah. Uh, with our emotions and our feelings, and we don't ever slow down as a society to make sense of how did we get here, where did this come from, yeah. and what do we do with it? Right. And and so I think that's why we see a society that's kind of always on the edge. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Because we just don't we don't slow down en- enough uh, yeah. to create a, a broader foundation. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> you know you see you see this throughout scripture of. You know, I'd say particularly David, mm-hmm. if, if anybody you know who really knew how to, uh, you know, like again going back to the quote that starts your book, um, there's a purpose for them. Don't lock them away. Mm-hmm. I think if anybody in Scripture didn't lock away their emotions, it would be maybe David. He <laughs> yeah. he was willing to right. to do that. So that's a healthy thing, like expressing or, or uh, like taking some time with your feelings, so you feel mm-hmm. uh, anxiety. And so instead of like repressing it is, right. is, is what you're saying in this first chapter, you're, you're letting that, you're examining it. Where does it come it from? How do I have mm-hmm. it? Uh, and I give some pretty practical tools towards the end of the book um, of, of how to do that. Because I always, I always um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on, the, on pastors right now. <laughs> but I, I don't, I always, you know, walk away from a sermon when somebody says, well, just forgive your neighbor. And you're like, great. Mm-hmm. T- that's, I, I agree. Like, tell me how. Yeah, exactly. Like, give me the step-by-steps how, right? Yeah. Or you shouldn't, great, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we how do we do that, right? And so I, I really made it a, a intentional in this book to go, okay, if I'm going to tell you that you need to do this, then towards the end of the book, I'm going to give you some really practical tools. Yeah. And so one of my favorite tools is this idea of, of becoming old friends hmm. with our emotions. Wow. Uh, it's a, it's a, a term that I coined uh, in session. Maybe I'm not the only first one that coined it, but I... Maybe I was. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take credit for it <laughs> until sure, somebody yeah, else tells me otherwise. Um, but I'm, I was sitting with a young man who was just diagnosed with um, type 2 diabetes, um, a type 1 or type 2. I can't remember. Uh, I, it's in the book. But he was he was just dealing with a lot of anxiety around that, Yeah, managing the diabetes, like managing people's perceptions of the diabetes and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I think a lot of times in session, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of guides those questions. And I yeah. just said, what would it look like to be old friends with your – anxiety. And he kind of looked at me like, are you, are you nuts? Like, <laughs> what, what are you thinking? And so I started breaking it down. I said, so tell me, like, what is it like to be an old friend with somebody? And he goes, well, like, you're, 
you, you, you know their facial features well enough. You know the wrinkles mm-hmm. on their face. You know that if they're upset, how they're going to react. You know so. if they're happy, how they're going to react. You know if they're – and we started kind of breaking down what it means to be old friends. And I said, so what would it look like to do that with your anxiety? Because I don't know where to begin. I said, well, personify it. Mm-hmm. So I said, here's some crayons, p- p- pencils. Like start drawing out what your anxiety looks like in, in human form. Mm. And so I, that was his homework. So he went home – to do that and came back the next week just with a big grin on his face. I'm like, okay, something's up. What's going on? <laughs> and he goes, I started drawing out this anxiety. And he goes, it was, it, at first it felt like this, this nemesis figure that was, you know, in a, in a big old hoodie, head covered with the hood, you know, kind of sinister and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he goes, as I started to continue to describe it and draw it out, I realized it was this little kid in an oversized hoodie. Mm. And the closer I got to him, the more annoying he became. Hmm. And he goes, it was just like this little annoying kid going, hey, hey, oh, yeah. hey, hey, you want to play? Hey, like, let's hang out. Hey. Yeah. And I said, so, okay, what did that do to you? He goes, it wasn't as scary. Hmm. I said, okay. He goes, it was annoying. Yeah. I said, okay, yeah, right. I mean, sometimes our emotions and how we deal with them are annoying. Yeah. I said, but is it something now that you can learn to live with? He goes, oh, yeah. Hmm. You know, and it took – it almost took the – the power away from that emotion, you know, and yeah. began to put words to it. And so I, t- I talk, I take the readers through the step-by-step process of how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and now it's not always that simple, but I give, I mean, gosh, I give probably seven to 10 different tools in yeah. the, at the end of the book of going, that doesn't work. Try this. If that doesn't work, try this, yeah. you know, and how we become more and more familiar with our emotions. Yeah. Mm, that's a, that's a quite a labor of love for you to, you know, through your career and then now now expressing it in written form to help people, you know, because, you know, like you said with the story, like we don't know is our anxiety, is our stress, is our fear, you know, is it some big hairy monster or is it just a, a, a gnawing drip, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I think once you know more what it is, you can actually appropriate better, you know, to not know that it's it's not going to overtake your life. It doesn't yeah. have to destroy you. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know. I guess they say with emotions, like they're, you know, you, you don't, you're not letting them control you. You're you're kind of controlling them to a degree. I, I mm-hmm. don't know if that's the healthiest way to approach it or not. But no, it is. I think it's a mindset that we need to understand. Is that we we can either. I think I shared this analogy at the beginning of the book of somebody learning to surf. Mm-hmm. Right. We can. You know, when you first learn to surf, the waves are just ripping you up. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes when you're learning to deal with your emotions first, you feel like you're being just ripped up by the waves. But when you learn that the the waves have rhythm Mm -hmm. and you can count small wave, small wave, oh, here's a big wave. And then you learn how to get up on your surfboard and you learn how to cut into the wave, you know, and use that. Then it becomes an awesome experience mm-hmm. an awesome tool and you're you know yeah. and i think the same thing with our emotions is that many of us think that we are just a product or uh being tossed to and fro yeah. um, by them you know um, but really when we dive deeper into ourselves yeah. into our experiences into our history our culture and then we recognize how we've how we've been made up and how we are designed we can look at the externals and yeah. go oh, i can control how i respond yeah you're, yeah, you did talk. I read about. <clears throat> I think it's in the first chapter. The, the waves, you know, we, and that's such a way, a great to describe it. And now that you're talking about the surfer, this, the, the waves hit. Yeah, you know, the the <clears throat> first time surfer, 
the wave hits the person and they roll three or four times right. and get dragged on the bottom of the sand and the rocks right. and have a very bad experience by that particular wave. Whereas mm-hmm. a, an experienced surfer, like it's the same wave, and if we're talking about emotions, it could be a wave of anxiety or fear, right. stress, depression, same wave hits them both, but one is has learned to navigate it to mm-hmm. some degree. And that's that's what you talk about as emotional intelligence. Yep. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think emotional intelligence um, has been kind of used as a buzzword over the last two decades, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. It, I wish it would be okay. That's great. How do I get there? And yeah. this is kind of that. How do you get there? Right. It's, um, you know, and go back to the analogy of the surfing. Like the first person that was kind of tossed and rolled two or three times, hit the bottom. Yeah. Like we have to have people alongside of us that go okay. Yeah. Do this differently next time. Yeah. Like let's reevaluate. You're not gonna stop, you're not gonna quit. Yeah. Like, you know, let's get let's get back on the surfboard and try that again. And, yeah. and you know, and it's it's practice. Right. Right? There's no manual. I mean I yeah. you know, I know you and I've talked about this off offline a lot of man, I wish this would have been something I'd I'd have known or learned uh-huh. yeah. a long time ago. You're right. Yeah. Because it's it's so priceless. And that's why I love this book, is because I wanna take this information that a lot of times is is kept in the psychological realm, the counseling realm, yeah. to go, no, this needs to be common knowledge. It needs to be yeah. shared. Absolutely. From, you know, early childhood to mm-hmm. our old age to know mm-hmm. what, you know, what's up with our emotions, what God's doing in it, what's the enemy's doing in it, what mm-hmm. is our flesh doing in it. And then, mm-hmm. then but, but yeah, you're, you're right. The, the experience and the community around you to help us look at and say, okay, now, you know, next time that wave hits you, mm. you know, rather than isolating, try this, or rather than mm-hmm. um, renumerating re- it over and over again in your head, like, a, you know, if it's an accusation of the devil and you start feeling downcast, right? You, you but you just keep rehearsing that, like, well, I am such a loser, I'm such a terrible mm. person, <clears throat> learning some, you know, and, I, you know, emotional intelligence, like you said, is can be an overused word. You know, I think the Bible talks about really as maturity, sure. uh, sanctification, Christ-likeness, yeah, Christ-likeness. Yeah, yeah, the idea of of growing in a certain way. But you don't grow when you just repress things or hide things. And uh, well, I mean, you think about it in in Scripture. We look at that Christ experienced all the emotions. Yeah, but they they were not sinful. Yeah, right. right? And I think that's the difference. Is, yeah. is, is is the difference is that you know. We can experience anger just the same way Christ did, mm. but we can react out of sin because we've we've not reached that maturity. Yeah, and I think if we look at Christ as the pinnacle of maturity, right, and how he responded, yeah. you know, he experienced all disappointment, mm-hmm. sadness, mm. he experienced frustration, he experienced anger, he experienced yeah. all because he's fully human. Right, but there was no sin with it. Yeah, right, and wow. so I think that's a an interest. I love that. I just was thinking that you know, as you're saying that, that's a really interesting. Um, perspective, because then why do we, as a church, not choose to encourage uh, those that we are leading mm-hmm. to, as Paul would say, uh, work out our salvation, yeah. you know, and work out our emotions yeah. in, in ways that are yeah. leading towards sanctification, as you say. Yeah, that's, you know, just speaking personally as in years of pastoral experience, a, a good portion of my ministry would be not being in touch with my emotions. Therefore, when I come to the Word to bring it to my <clears throat> uh, congregants, um, I'm excluding emotions when I'm talking to them. So basically, I'm just talking, would that be like left brain, I guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, just data, yep. information. Uh, I'm going to say information to you. You're going to 
maybe take notes about that information that's going to hit you in your left brain and you're mm -hmm. going to leave with more information unless we as leaders uh, have learned to process our own feelings. Right. How do we feel about disappointment? How, you know, and, and then, you know, be open with it. Be you know, Vulnerability is, is essential to this too. You know, yes. Because that, that opens up the door. Yeah. Uh, we have a few more minutes left and then we're going to go into episode two. But before we do, can I skip ahead to, uh, uh, I don't yeah, I think you have notes too. So I, I do. don't know if you want to turn to page 45 or not. Yeah, let me look at um, it. But uh, it's uh, five ways we avoid our emotions. I thought that was, was really brilliant. I love that you wrote this uh, because we can talk about not being in touch with our emotions or mm -hmm. we can encourage people, you know, feel what you feel. Right. But I've never really seen it in categories before. Uh, five ways... We uh, we do that. Do you see that on your? I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you, yep. Can you walk us through those? Yeah. So I think, um, and I, I've narrowed these down to five. These are the five that I can relate to, right? Okay. But I think a lot of times when we have an emotional experience, when we have a physiological response, going back to the definition, right? right? So when our body reacts to something internal or something external, uh, if we don't sit with that and process it. Uh, we think, you know, I call them emotional reflexes. Mm. So we have a reflex response of numbing it out. Yeah. Like, I, I, mm, uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, mm. don't want to feel that, don't want to go there. Right. And so there's different ways to numb it out. We can numb it out with food. We can numb it out with pornography, sex. We can numb it out with alcohol. We can numb it out with a lot of different things, yeah. right? Um, but then there can also be a distraction. Like, we get yeah. busier, right? right. Um, Hold on just one second. Yeah. So I want to, before you go to distraction, yeah, yeah. which is number two, numbing. Uh, so that's so. Um, you have an emotion, and, and you, you don't you don't like um, intentionally numb it. Like you don't go like, okay, I'm going to numb that right now. But but it's something inside of us that we're just kind of built that way. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to. It it, it, it can be a mix of both, right? Okay. It could be a cognitive yeah. decision that I don't want to do that. Or okay. It could just be a reflex yeah. response. And the reflex response is we don't really think right. about it. It's just how, how we respond yeah. based on how we right. were raised, based on our experiences, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it could be an either or there. Yeah. And, and I think this is important too because if you find yourself uh, overeating substances, pornography, and, and you're just – only dealing with that, like okay, I got to stop looking at pornography. I got to stop overeating, but you're not realizing you're doing that for because mm -hmm. of something, right? You, and you're and you're trying to not, you know that's so it's 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 a sin. These things are sinful, mm -hmm. gluttony and, mm -hmm. and lust, but they are also, uh, you know, I, I keep repeating on our podcast here. You know, the, the Isaiah 61 thing so thrills me because he talks about you know he he heals the brokenhearted mm -hmm. and he opens up the you know, breaks the chains of the captives. Right. But that's sequential. It's like that, you know, if you don't deal with the wounds, then mm -hmm. the chains don't fall off. Right. If you're only dealing like, I'll break these chains, I want to break these, these dang chains, I think and then, you know, and so you numb them by, okay, these chains are too hard on me. I have, this, this chain of depression is, mm -hmm. and so that, so that, I think that's a really important one that we numb them. Well, uh, and I think uh, the reason I brought all these five up is that I think these are, um, you're right, these are just, cover-ups yeah. for the deeper issue that right. we need to be dealing with. Yeah. yeah. And I interrupted you. No, you're you good. Said, I distracted you from number two. distracted me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next mm -hmm. one uh, I say is just uh, we distract ourselves. And that could be, um, you know, a video game, a, a phone, your know, iPhones, a TV show. It could be really anything that we do to take our attention off of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and some people might say that my number two and my number three could go together. And I wanted to separate them out just for that, this very reason. But... Um, you know, we, we try to, 
um, distract ourselves from really what's going on. Uh, and then the next one is the busyness. Like, yeah. and that's my, I'll be honest, numbing and busy are my two mm-hmm. go-tos when it comes to not wanting to deal with my emotions. Let's just stay busy. Let's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, type uh, three on the Enneagram. Like, let's go okay. for it. Let's, <laughs> let's plan, let's build. And it was, you know, instead of slowing down and going, okay, let's look introspectively at what's going on. So mm-hmm. staying busy, I think a lot of us could probably relate to, yeah. um, but then replacing it. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's new to me. I haven't heard that one. You know, we can, um, by over-exercising, over-sleeping, you know, diving headfirst into a hobby, adrenaline-seeking behaviors. Um, sometimes, though, I've seen people that are uh, um, hyper-spiritual or hyper-optimistic, and it's a way of, of diverting uh, uh, their their emotional experiences. Oh, yeah. I've seen that a lot. It's like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, to fix a problem is just to... And don't hear me wrong, like that. You know, quoting a scripture is, is ever a bad thing, but you know that that that's the panacea. Just mm-hmm. just know a verse, and quote it, and then also everything's supposed to be fixed. And yeah. Like, yeah, and ra- rather than allowing that verse to do the very thing it's meant to do, is to get you to sit mm-hmm. with okay. So this verse has to do with anxiety, mm-hmm. and so what is it saying to me? What is God saying? Where where is my heart? Why am I struggling with this? Why why do I? Right. You know, it's it's what Jesus taught about you know cleaning the inside of the cup. You know, we want to just go on the outside and so look. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling anxious, but we don't. Why am I anxious? And mm-hmm. uh, just just getting you know right the heart issues. Yeah, which is what you talk about all the time on on the podcast. And then the last one. I know is going to ruffle some feathers <laughs> is that we overindulge in self-help. Right. Um, and people are like, wait a second, you can do that? I'm like, well, yeah, because a lot yeah. of times we use self-help to um, try to fix what's going on. Right. But like you said, it's all head knowledge. Yeah. It's all left brain. I'm taking in this knowledge, but I'm not willing to apply it to what's going on. Mm. And that becomes pointless. That's why yeah. I love, you know, what, what, what uh, you know, uh, is it James that talks about you know don't only you know don't be listeners all you know you have to be doers as well yeah you know so taking in the information and then doing something with it and I see a lot of people in our society that overindulge have you read that book yeah it's great Did anything change right <laughs> you know, yeah. anything yeah. anything change in your life um, that's so. a key that's the key I think there's is the is the truth setting you free is there something mm-hmm. that you're hearing that's touching your heart mm-hmm. and mind and you're getting Getting sobered by it and getting transformed by it. Right. That's that, that. That's part of that the emotional maturation process that God is working His mm-hmm. will and His good inside of us to, mm-hmm. to, to, as you said just a minute ago, to make us Christ-like. Right. All right, man. We're we're going to come back next episode and dig into some of that stuff you were just talking about. I think that's going to be profound. So I hope you enjoy this episode and join us again next episode with Dr. Mark Mayfield uh, talking about his new book, Finding Beauty in the Pain. That's a working title. By the time this podcast is out, uh, we may have a, an official title. But, uh, Hopefully. And then not long after that, uh, be looking for this book in, uh, at your favorite place to pick up a book. Thanks, guys. Glad you're with us. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.